You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. That's why I feel agile is such a brilliant word, because it describes exactly how how each individual has the ability to develop their own particular way of working in a very agile way, I guess, and respond and tweak and tune to all these stressors that are, 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 are being thrust upon us, I guess. I have the magic formula. You're going to hear it right here and now. This week's guest on the Happier at Work podcast is Seamus Power from Powering Health. Following a long and successful corporate career and having worked in a variety of customer facing, team leadership and senior business management roles, Seamus experienced firsthand the stresses and strains of living in an increasingly busy and at times chaotic world. Based on this work and life experience, Seamus became convinced that the rate of change and the pressure many people were experiencing in their daily lives was simply unsustainable and having a detrimental impact on an increasing number of people's quality of life and overall health. In Seamus's case, he noticed that an increase in his weight, the occurrence of regular migraines and generally being less happy with life. With this in mind, he made some small but significant lifestyle tweaks and tunes which helped restore his quality of life, performance and health. With this success, Seamus turned his attention to helping others make similar life-changing tweaks and tunes and completed a BA in Humanities and a Master's MSc in Health Psychology on the way to founding Powering Health. Seamus is now using his experience and his knowledge to help people take back control and restore their ideal life balance in a very deliberate and proactive way. On today's episode, I discuss with Seamus some of the very clear signs around stress and burnout. And we also talk about some of the warning signs and we talk about some of the specific and practical steps that you can take to try and mitigate the impacts of what's going on. And I think it's specifically relevant at a time like this where there's no clear boundaries between work life and home life and and the temptation. And definitely for me as well is is just to keep on working. If the laptop is there or, you know, you might not set really clear boundaries between home and work. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. As always, stay tuned till the end. and I will do a wrap up of some of the key points that we covered during the conversation. Welcome, Seamus, to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you as my guest today. We first connected at a, an event when we could go to events uh, back last year, at the start of last year out in City West, and we had a great conversation. And we've kind of been in touch a little bit since then. Obviously, the world has completely changed Absolutely. since then. And um, But it's great to have you as my guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself to listeners? Yeah, thanks, Eva. It's been great. And I, do, I don't know where that year has gone, but I clearly remember meeting you at that conference. I think it was over in City West and there was a Biz Expo conference, I think, on as well that we connected. So really great to have the chance to connect with you on your podcast. And I've been listening to the podcast, so I wish you every success with them as well. They've been absolutely brilliant. And I'm delighted to Thank be uh, a guest this week. Um, yeah, my, my name is Seamus Power. I'm the founder of a company called Powering Health. I established Powering Health about three years ago, almost exactly three years ago at this stage, uh, really out of my own journey. Uh, my, my mission, I suppose, became clear to me following my own journey within the corporate world. Uh, I had led a very successful 
a corporate life, corporate career. Um, but only, you know, halfway through that, it was very much an autopilot. And halfway through that, I became aware of, you know, got to a certain point, got to a senior role, and then began to ask myself the question, like, why aren't I feeling better about where I am? And um, it was really related to and reflection and around the busyness of, of everything and what had become with the whole change in how people were working from really from the internet and social media, email, and our ability to have more flexibility, I guess, from where we worked really was a great advantage, but it came with a lot of downsides as well. And that, that's my own journey really was working really, really long hours um, in that environment and losing balance essentially and then experiencing the the downsides of that, which were in terms of migraines, uh, putting on weight and so on in that role and then just not feeling, you know, I was happy within myself. And, and that was probably the first time in my career that I had to sit down and kind of ask myself, well, what is it that I wanted to do? And why was I feeling this way? And it was a kind of period in my 30s, heading towards the, the 40s of really beginning to reflect on, was I happy? How did I get to this point in my career on autopilot? Happened to be in the right place at the right time with no specific plan. And I looked around me and I saw a lot of other people in a very similar journey. So I, I took some steps at that stage in the mid 2000s to do some research, do a little bit of reflection and found a passion in psychology. And uh, that was a, a really great way for me to remove some focus from the, the work life and establish some level of balance, which was primarily looking back on it, a trigger for, for what I'm doing right now, because it led me to um, being able to rebalance my, my own life, step away from the massive hours of, of work I was doing and do, do some part-time study in psychology, which then ultimately led me to completing a master's in health psychology which was a stepping stone to, to what I'm doing now, Powering Health, which is essentially driving awareness of the impact of many aspects of modern lifestyle, including stress, diet, exercise, sleep issues, and so forth, but primarily an interest in stress and stress response and stress management, and really converting that into helping others in the same way I, I, that I had ultimately helped myself in making small tweaks and tunes to, to rebalance and find your ideal perfect balance. And everyone, each of us has our, our own specific journey. And I think that's what I enjoy most about what I do now is really getting into conversations with people, understanding their journey, and then getting into a, a, a discussion really around where they can make their small tweaks and tunes to help them live a happier and balanced life and you know contribute to to business performance as well, because each each of us is very much, you know, many of us at least are, t are working either in businesses or running our own businesses. And that's really where the Powering Health Service, I think, is what I've enjoyed most, is just how we can apply any of what I do to people either running their own businesses or employees in businesses. So it's, it's pretty much around the individual story and applying mm. Powering Health solutions to everyone's own individual situation, circumstances, I guess. So so that's it. And, yeah. and not so much of a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, like, it's a really interesting story, I think. And, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who can relate either that they've been through that journey themselves or they're going through it at the moment. Because I think what you're describing is potentially what's happening with a lot of people right now. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no clear boundaries for people who are working from home. And that's a lot of people at the moment. Um, there's no clear boundaries between 
work and home, unless you have, you know, a separate office space, you have a, a great setup at home, all of that kind of thing. But for a lot of people, it's, you are, you know, it's, it, it's just a completely different world and it's very difficult then to shut off. And a lot of the anecdotal stories I hear are that people, contrary to what, what uh, a lot of maybe managers think or, or a lot of leaders think, um, or some leaders, I shouldn't say a lot of leaders, some leaders think that that people can't be trusted to work at home. But actually, it's it's most often it's the opposite that's true, that people are working longer hours and they nearly need to be told yeah. when to shut down their, their laptops and when to, when to stop working so that they can take a break and that they can rest and recuperate. Because when you're nicely rested and recuperated, you actually can do your best work. So it's from that perspective, it's a really interesting journey that you've been on and you can apply that from an academic perspective, but also from your personal insights oh, no, as well completely. as to how people can achieve that. I oh, know. That, and that's what, what, what kind of hit me in 2016 when I first took on the, the master's course with no intention actually of, of ever doing anything with it from a business perspective. It was really for me, but the stars aligned and I could see exactly as you said there, um, the, the skills and the behavior change skills that I was learning in the master's, I could see and I was interested then automatically or very quickly in applying that in the real world. So many people who go in on the academic side will go into research and do some research and so on. But I was really clear from the beginning that I could see clarity in how I could apply these to resolving a lot of issues that I experienced myself and for the benefit of others. And it's, that's back to the value I see in, in what I'm doing with, with Empowering Health is driving that awareness and a clear structure around and bringing some of the program management skills, I guess I had from the corporate side as well, into helping people take those specific steps in a very structured way to help them, you know, achieve the balance that, you know, we're, we're, a lot of us are tend to be out of through no fault of our own because we, we think we don't have choices. We think we're... Uh, in this situation and where there's no way out and we, we kind of talk ourselves into accepting the situation we're in um, because we're, we're, we're into this um, environment where it's almost a, 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 a sense of helplessness, I guess, and, and discomfort. And we become used to living in this environment where we're adjusting, we're under pressure all the time and we just use that as being somehow conditioned into, yeah, this is the way life is and we don't have choices or control. And uh, I think that's what I love talking to people about is you have choice, you have the ability to to be able to rebalance. You just need to maybe step out of the business. And you know what I've realized myself in, in the last couple of years working with people, the power of just connecting with ourselves in this very busy, externally focused world. And I think that for me is one of the key areas that I'm working with clients now with Empowering Health and where I'm spending a lot, lot more of my time is the relationship with ourselves. Um, because in this mad, busy world that we've been in since social media in particular, I guess, has come along, we've been so much focused on others, what others are doing, what others are sharing and, and feeling inadequate somehow in our own skins. And I think the importance of reconnecting with ourselves away from that business is really, really a, a core and important starting point for, for many people, I think. And, and that's you know what I'm finding with the, my business is that's where I almost universally start with everyone I work with is your relationship with yourself, I think, you know? Mm. 
Yeah. No, I really like that. And love what you said here about this idea of helplessness. So it's so true. And a word that you didn't use, but that I wrote down was reactive. So people are kind of reacting to the environment that they're in. You mentioned that they don't seem to have a sense of control. So again, like kind of using the psychological term, they don't have agency over their own life. It's like people are acting as a victim uh, of their own circumstances. And they're not stepping up and saying, well, actually, I have a choice here and I can do something about this situation. It doesn't have to be this way. And I suppose a couple of things there, and maybe the first one is what, happens to get someone to the stage where they think I have to do something about this? Yeah. And that's, again, that's a great question because it's a core of the reason I set up Powering Health really was around illness prevention and getting to a point of taking action before something happens. So before you get the stroke or before you get the heart attack or before you get a life-changing event strike you, you would benefit and a lot of people would benefit from really reflecting on their own life and seeing where they are and, and what are the warning signs. So for example, an analogy I often use is the, the warning light in the car. And I think several people have mentioned this on, on previous podcasts, I think is on, but it's a very good analogy, which is around, you know, the warning light goes off in your car. And what's the first thing you do? You bring it into the garage straight away and get it mm-hmm. fixed and resolved. But we get our own warning lights. I was getting warning signs as regards migraines warning signs as regards uh, putting on weight. Um, Lots and lots of warning signs, lots of data coming back from our body. And our body is absolutely fantastic at giving us all these warning signs, providing us information when something isn't exactly right. But what what do we do? A lot of the time we just ignore them and we say, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. The Irish grand, I'm grand, I'm fine. Um, And don't ever think about, you know, bringing ourselves into the garage to do a checkup or just to slow down. And even the, the whole idea of just taking two or three minutes just to slow down when you feel that warning sign is, is a core part of how, what I do and work with my clients is when you heed, and it's about self-awareness really, you know, I'm being aware of the warning signs and knowing your body and knowing what your body is telling you. You know, it's, it's the tension, it's the muscle tension, it's the sweaty palms, it's the increased heart rate. Just being attuned to noticing what's going on, and then taking action around that. And a very simple, small steps, like just a couple of breathing exercises at the right time can be a major, major help in helping people. Once they are tuned to noticing what's going on, that sense of overwhelm, that sense of loss of control, you've got 20 things going on and you don't know which to do next. When you feel that sense of overwhelm, that this, this, it's probably the most unintuitive thing to do is to slow down at that stage. Um, but it's probably the most important thing you could do and it's something I try to practice myself. And, it, and this week, when we talk about Zoom sessions, it brings me back to my corporate days, actually, because I'm getting into the habit myself of going from one Zoom to another Zoom to another Zoom. And I'm very conscious of the fact that I had a sense, even this week, earlier this week, that I had a lot of projects going on. And I said, you've got to slow down. Because I felt the same sensations I was feeling back 20 years ago in the corporate days where I was on the way to headaches, to tension, feeling overwhelmed and out of control. So I, I think I, I've, it's that sense of awareness and knowing when, you need, when you're 
on that slippery slope, let's say, to being overactive, your mind is busy and you feel overwhelmed, <sighs> taking the time in that moment yeah. just to switch off and feeling the benefits of that. And that takes practice. It takes discipline. But it's, it's again, going back to an analogy of like, you know, knowing you should go for a walk when you're feeling tired and saying, no, I won't do it. But having, having the perseverance to go out and then 30 minutes later when you come back, I'm so glad I went for that walk. And, you yeah. know, you're really feeling refreshed and better after feeling tired, feeling overwhelmed, not feeling like you wanted to do something. But afterwards, it's the same with the, with the breaths. So afterwards, when you've completed two or even two or three minutes of slow, controlled breathing, the sense of clarity that brings. And again, it takes practice. It takes perseverance because in the heat of the moment, it's not that easy to switch off and think, you know, I really should do some breathing now because it's the last thing you want to do because you're so busy, I guess, you know? Yeah, no, this, that's exactly what I was going to say, Seamus. And you're so right. It's this perseverance or, or discipline of actually doing it because when you do feel that sense of overwhelm, when you are so busy, you think, oh, I just have to get this done and this done and this done and this done. And you don't feel like you can take a break. And yeah. that's exactly the time when you do need to take a break, exactly. whether that is, like you say, to go out for a walk, to clear your head a little bit, whether it's taking some time out to do some breathing exercise, whether it's taking time to do a meditation. And, you know, a lot of my friends will say that they don't have time to meditate. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, um, they have kids at home at the moment. They're homeschooling. Like, it sounds like an absolute nightmare to me. But even to get out, you know, into the car for a minute. You can do a one minute meditation. You can Absolutely. do a five minute meditation, you know, just to, just to get out and just take some time for yourself. And like you say, reconnect with yourself and your body. Uh, oh, completely. And it, and everyone is different. So everyone has a different stress threshold as well. The different things will cause people a sense of overwhelm versus others. So, and it's whatever works. And that's the core of what I'm doing in Powering Health as well is, is listening and understanding a person's story, their journey, understanding what their stressors are because everyone has their own individual journey, their own individual stressors, and they're going to have their own individual solutions. So it's really helping people to find what works for them. So I, I don't come and work with a person and say, you should do this, this, and this, and this. They've got to discover yeah. that themselves. And, and the first part of that is, is the self-awareness and understanding and listening to their own body and then having the discipline, I guess, to, to respond for, to, to what works for them, I guess, you know. And before we kind of get into that in a bit more detail, I want to go back to this idea that you shared earlier around balance and finding balance. Now, um, I'm sure you, you will have heard that on the podcast a few times at this stage. Different people have different perspectives. I used to call it work-life balance. It's kind of a bit of a buzzword at the moment. I think there's a lot of people talking about it, especially given our situation now where kind of work and home life is very much combined. And on the podcast, this is over a year ago now with Emiliana Simon-Thomas. Uh, she's um, from Berkeley in California. She works in the Happiness Research Institute there and she called it uh, work-life harmony. And so since then, I've been calling it work-life harmony. I think this is a fantastic word to use. And it's more of a blended approach where, you know, it's balance sounds like it's kind of, it's quite tricky. And on a more recent podcast episode, we spoke about this not having, not calling it work life harmony, but just calling it life harmony. And it's 
you know, it, it's, uh, it means that it's our entire life. It's not just, we're not trying to find that balance between two different aspects of our life. We're trying to ensure that our entire life is in harmony with everything else. And it comes back to this idea that we kind of touched on before we started recording this idea of authenticity, of being able to be yourself. And if you can be yourself at work in the same way that you can be yourself at home, then I think it will really help to drive that sense of harmony with your whole life. But I'd love to get your perspective on this concept of balance and and what that actually means. Yeah, I've been putting a lot of thought into this actually as well. Um, Again, based on my own journey and just reflection and thinking about my own experiences and, you know, the, the, the mix of people I've been working with. And my clients are a huge influence on me as well, actually. Um, and one word has come to mind with some clarity for me is around agility. And mm-hmm. um, having the agility in so many ways. And it really came from Susan David, who has developed a model called emotional agility, which, which I bring into the practice of working with individuals around self-awareness that we just spoke about earlier. But it's it's life agility for me is probably better than work-life balance and, and possibly even better than harmony because it's been able to be develop the skills which really come from, uh, in my own experience, software development and being agile, program management and agile and being able to respond in an agile way that's flexible to meet the needs of, of every individual and every business. And, and that's why I feel agile is such a brilliant word because it describes exactly how we could and how each individual, I suppose each individual has the ability to develop their own particular way of working in a very agile way, I guess, and respond and tweak and tune to all these stressors that are, 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 are being thrust upon us, I guess, um, and mm. with COVID even more so. So we've got the homeschooling, we've got the work-life balance, uh, we've got so many other stressors that are going on there, the social distancing, all this is being thrust upon us, and that's going to affect each person in a very different way. And each person has the flexibility, I guess, of, the, of being agile and how they I suppose, set themselves up to respond to each of those stressors in very unique situations in each person's own individual life. You know, they're, they're, the, the age of their kids, the type of work they're doing. Do they have the ability even to work from home? Are they working in the service industry where they don't even have that ability to work from home? So there's, there's so many variables. And I think having a word like agility helps people to be able to appreciate of the choices that they have and the choices they can make depending on their own complex set of, of individual circumstances, I guess. So that's what I really feel is a powerful way of, of helping people to really, you know, identify their particular challenges and develop solutions around their particular circumstances as well, I guess, you know. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I love that word, I have to say, now that you say it, now that you talk about it, and you, you're right, it does evoke this sense of choice and if I'm being agile about it, it, my life or my situation, then I, I get to choose what it is that I exactly. want to, to dial up or, or to dial down. Yeah. Um, so I love, I love that concept. But it also brings us nicely on to how can people do that? How can people be more agile? Um, you know, we spoke earlier about it being, it's not a one size fits all. Finding that, that balance or finding that sense of agility in your life is not about following some sort of a formula that someone else has set out for you. It's about coming back to yourself and understanding yourself. What are the kind of questions we should be asking of ourselves? What are the kind of, or is there some sort of framework that we could follow to, to be able to 
achieve that? Yeah, and the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have the magic formula. You're going to hear it right, right here and now. Um, so, so we've heard for years, like Daniel Goldman's book about emotional in, in, intelligence, and I think it's it's become a kind of a cliche term now. Everyone bandies are, uh, about emotional intelligence and the importance of emotional intelligence and there's no doubt about that i I fully endorse that Um, but i think there's a better model called again going back to the word agility emotional agility which susan david has developed a model around and i I incorporate this in really really well it fits in really well with the breathing exercises i I mentioned earlier about as a mechanism to slow down but there's there's four components of emotional agility and and the first is self-awareness and developing the skills, as we mentioned earlier, just to, to connect with yourself, notice what's going on within yourself, within your body, within your brain, within your mind, and respond. So that's that's the first step is the self-awareness. Then there's the labeling associated with that awareness. So what is causing this sense of overwhelm? What is it when I calm down and think, why am I feeling this way? And asking yourself those just those simple questions are almost having a conversation with yourself, I guess. Once you notice, well, why is it? And what are the things that are going on now that are currently resulting in feeling like this? Um, and that can be a very powerful way of just with the clarity of mind, with the breathing exercise, just getting oxygen physically, you know, oxygen physiologically into your, into your head, giving yourself the space and time to notice, respond, and then ask yourself some, some really simple but, but important questions. And then comes with that the acceptance of, that's the third step. So I, I call it the salad, salad model, actually. So it's L, S, self, SA for self-awareness, L for labeling, um, A for acceptance, which is really around, it is what it is, accepted. The more you resist, mm. the more you push back, the more it's going to cause you more stress. So developing the skills to, this is information coming from a body. This is not a bad thing. I'm feeling maybe a little bit overwhelmed, but do you know what? That's that's not a bad thing. That's my body just telling me that this is the situation. It is what it is. And now I've just got to take that information and figure out how I'm going to process that, which, which leads on to the last piece, which is the D of the salad, which is displacement or developing a plan of how you're going to actually diffuse the stress or diffuse this feeling of overwhelm or whatever it may be that you've processed through that model, I guess. So for me, emotional agility is a really formulaic model in practical terms of how you manage a particular stressor or whatever the situation is, whatever you notice in a very formulaic process-driven standard way, I guess versus emotional intelligence, which is out there, but you don't really necessarily know what to do with it. This is actually a series of steps that you can actually manage in a very formulaic and process-driven way, I guess, which maybe goes back to my program management times uh, and back to the techie in me, I guess, where I began my career with this. Everything maybe is down to a process and a flow, I guess, you know? Yeah, no, I, and, and I like that. I, I, I did notice that earlier that you, you spoke about kind of having a structure and, and like I, for me personally, I really value frameworks and having structure and, and things like that. So yeah, I, I'm totally behind having something like that, that you can actually follow a process. I'm sure not everyone is like that. Some people prefer to be a little bit more off the cuff, a bit more spontaneous, mm. um, spontaneous even. Yeah. Yeah, for me, certainly, I'd like to to be able to follow that process and see mm. where it's going. So I really, really like that. 
And the, and the beauty of that model, I guess, is, is it can be customized. So again, it, the, and everything I do, it, it's really individually focused, individually driven. So I, that, that process or that, that flow is, is something that people can customize to their own needs as well. So it's, it's when you say it's formulaic, but it can be applied by individuals how they wish to apply it, I guess, and, and what works for them going back to that as well, I guess. Yeah, you know? I, I like to think, and I, I deliberately use the term framework when I ask the question, because I like to think of things like this as a framework. So it provides a frame around which you can ask questions in order to understand yourself. So like if I take, for example, a marketing framework, these are, you know, I'm not going to be able to name them off, but these are the, the specific things that you need to think about in your own business or in your own circumstances. They might need to be a little bit different, but these are the, the different elements that make up a marketing plan, for example. So when it comes to um managing your your own stress levels, managing your own health, when you feel a sense of overwhelm, then I think it's it's important to have that and like I say framework so that it's it's not something it's not prescriptive saying oh well if you feel stressed then you need to do this it's about like you say this um this self-awareness so connecting back with yourself then giving it a label so understanding why you feel that way yeah then accepting it because the more you resist it actually the more stressed you're going to get. And this is like ignoring those warning signs that your body is giving you. Absolutely, You're just going to get worse and then develop bigger plans. So the plan is obviously going to be unique to you based on what has worked for you, whether it's what has worked in the past or, or understanding what might work in the future. And testing and exploring what works and what doesn't work, and, and it's 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 an iterative process basically. Um, and it, it, you're exploring. I mean, I'm still exploring what works for me and what doesn't work for me, and especially with relation to the power of just connecting with yourself and being happy in your own skin. I mean, it's such a big problem, I think, for people. And and you know, for me, for years, I would have really being very much focused on pleasing others and you know not putting myself out first and center and being uncomfortable being being the authentic me and i think that's something i've i've learned on the purring health journey um and with the whole situation of being front and center of your own business it's it's a major challenge but it's a major learning opportunity as well to really stand yeah. out and um be learn to be comfortable, I guess, and develop the confidence in your own abilities and the confidence in yourself, which I think a lot of people struggle with right through their careers and maybe never come to terms really with who the, the person is, the true person within and being comfortable expressing that as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting and I, <clears throat> I'm really behind this idea of it being an iterative process as well. Um, I'm currently reading Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. So I read that before bed every evening. It's it's really interesting. I'm taking loads of insights from it. I will be sharing it on my website. On my website, I have um, a whole section on called Aoife's Reading List. So okay. uh, I'll certainly be adding it up there with my the, the kind of key takeaways that I took from it. But one, the chapter that I read last night was all about ego. And something within that chapter really hit home for me. And that was this idea that we we kind of expect to succeed in specific areas. What I mean by that is he spoke about, you know, we think that, oh, I have success. I have successfully overcome my own 
ego or my false ego. And I'm, but, but really it's a lifelong journey to do that. And, it, and it's about managing it all of the time. So it's not just like you, you reach a stage where you are suddenly uh, completely neglect your own ego, but rather it's, it's, it takes practice and every day you need to be aware of it and, and be aware of your triggers and things like that. So I suppose what I'm trying to say with that is that I can relate to how it's an iterative process and it's, it's a lifelong journey. And um, presumably the, the, the more time goes on, the easier it becomes to understand your own, whether it's a stress trigger or whether uh, you're able to better manage that sense of overwhelm, whether you're better able to prioritize tasks and things like that. that but that it's, it's a lifelong journey. It's not, a, it's not a case that we're just going to um, reach a destination. But with that framework in place or, or being able to refer back to those steps that you can take to understand yourself and to manage yourself, then I think it, it becomes a lot easier. Absolutely. And we're, we're born perfect, basically. We're born fully worthy. And I mean, that's what I'm learning myself. <laughs> and we, we somehow get conditioned through our, through our, our journey um, from a very, very early stage. And Albert Bandura is one of my my favorite theorists. He talked about social cognition and, and agency and, mm, you know, about yeah. the, the environment and how it impacts us as people and our behavior. And, you know, I think I'm at a stage now in my own experience where I'm uncluttering a lot of the conditioning that may have happened and getting back to the perfection of when I was born, basically. And and, and it is like that. It's really being comfortable and learning about who you really were from the minute you were born, dealing mm. with the, the environment that you've come through. And, all, and we all have our own journey. It reminds me actually of a video by... Um, Donald Davis, and it, I have it written down here uh, just before our session today was around how how to um, how the story transforms the teller. It's it, it, it can look it up on YouTube, but I think it's a powerful video about how yeah. our own journey, no matter what happens in our lives, it is our journey, and it's a learning experience right through. So all the conditioning that goes on, it happens for a reason. There's a purpose behind it, and there is learnings and everything. So you know, yeah. I, and I don't want to kind of dispel or discount some of the challenges a lot of people go through a lot of serious trauma of course um but and i, I don't mean that's by design but there there is learnings in everything i guess and if you manage to to survive and learn from small and maybe more major traumas in your life and on reflection that that is your story that is your journey and that is your power i guess you know and something that strikes me when you say how the story transforms the teller is this sense of meaning that we give to things. Now, we could probably have a whole other podcast all about yeah, that, but yeah. it's, is, it, is it in the telling of the story, it's, it's how we interpret events that happen in our lives and the meaning that we assign to them. Um, is that what it means or have I misinterpreted that, the meaning of that? Uh, I, I think sometimes we, we think our story holds us back. But actually, story is the power, uh, and that's that's for me. When when I looked at that video, I said, you know, things happened that might have haven't seemed like they were very positive things at any particular time, but they were things that we, we learned from. So every, every like, like the warning signs from our body, everything we experience, it's information and data that uh, we can learn from, uh, and it mightn't have been that pleasant. At, one particular point in time or another, but it makes us the people that we are. So I, I think that for me is that, you know, we all have a unique individual journey. We all go through different experiences and there's learnings in each of those experiences. And it, 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 
simply makes us the people we are. And um, I, I, that for me is, is, the, is the, the power of everyone's own individual journey is to embrace all those challenges and embrace the learnings that have come out of those. And it has ultimately made you the person you are and helps you to, to ultimately be the person you want to be, I guess, you know. Absolutely. And one thing that strikes me on that is that when we get in the, into this mode of why did this happen to me? Why is this happening to me? A, a good kind of journaling or reflective practice is to ask yourself, what can I learn from this? So rather than being in the kind of, it's almost like the victim mode, like, oh, poor me, why is this happening to me? Yeah. Take it as an opportunity. It's difficult, but take it as an opportunity. Absolutely. Like, what is this trying to teach me or what what can I learn from this experience? And no matter what that experience is, um, for sure. So Seamus, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what makes you happier at work? Yeah, I, I just love seeing the results of people being happier. That That's that's my core mission in Powering Health when I, when I set it up was to learn from my own experience, apply you know, what I'd learned from the academic side, apply what I learned in everything I've done actually in my working life. I've, I've learned a huge amount of different skills and, and appreciating things that I could do, what I was good at and what I thought I wasn't good at. So it's, it's around applying mm-hmm. my own knowledge, my own experience into helping others deal with and live better and happier lives. And if, when I see those results, that just is, is something that, you know, is that my, it's the core of my mission. Great. Love that. And if people want to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way they can do that? Um, so poweringhealth.ie is my website. So poweringhealth, all, all one word, dot IE, or they can connect with me on LinkedIn. So uh, search for Powering Health and, and connect with me there. And I also wanted to mention, I run a free heart-focused breathing session. We didn't talk about heart-focused breathing or heart math, but I'm heart math coach. And every Wednesday at 8.15, I run a free extended heart-focused breathing session as a mechanism to help people experience heart-focused breathing for about 35, 40 minutes of silence, heart-focused breathing. Um, and it's a powerful way. And again, it's a, it's a way of helping people introduce to, um, at no cost, it'll cost 30, 35, 40 minutes of, is this something for me or is it not? So that happens every Wednesday evening at 8.15. So I can, I can send a Neverenbright link to you as well. If you can share that, that would be fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I could share that in the show notes. Thank you so much. Brilliant. It was an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Seamus, for your time, for sharing your insights. Thank you, Eve. I really loved it. Yeah, it was a great conversation. So thanks again and best wishes with everything. Okay. Don't forget that you can head on over to the Happier at Work website, happieratwork.ie and subscribe to get the podcast delivered directly into your inbox. You can also get involved in the conversation over on social media, mostly hanging out on LinkedIn. So if you'd like to connect with me there, feel free to do so. Just mention how we know each other. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Seamus Power from Powering Health. We covered a lot of ground in relation to well-being at work. We started by speaking about stress and how it impacts on our clarity of mind and our connection with ourselves. So we almost disconnect from ourselves. And this concept of busyness and busyness being like a badge of honour. There is also a downside to flexibility and, you know, we are experiencing a lot of flexibility at the moment, but it's losing that sense of balance. And I know we've discussed balance, this concept of balance versus integration versus just harmony. And I think harmony is is sort of where I've settled on at the moment. 
Seamus mentioned some specific behaviour change skills such as awareness, structure, programme management, acceptance, helplessness, reactive and having control or a sense of agency over what you do. And really, it's about reconnecting with ourselves. So building that relationship with yourself and understanding what the warning signs are. And that's about connecting with your body or reconnecting with your body. We do have a tendency to ignore the signs a lot of the time. So building that level of self-awareness, know what your body is telling you, doing some breathing exercises in order to slow down and different people have different stress thresholds. So understand what your stressors are. He mentioned a book called Agility by Susan David, uh, or at least that, that, that she talks about this concept of emotional agility and this idea then of emotional intelligence. So it's connecting with yourself having that sense of awareness, labelling. So thinking about why am I feeling this way? Three then is acceptance. So the more you resist, the more stressed you become. So it's about accepting the situation as it is rather than trying to resist it. And then four is developing a plan. So putting a structure in place in order to diffuse the overwhelm. And I suppose the beauty of this framework is it's not one size fits all. It's customizable. It's, you know, it's about testing and exploring and being an iterative process. Oftentimes we focus on pleasing other people, but if you put the focus back on yourself, take this as a learning opportunity. One of the things that stood out for me as well is this concept of how the story transforms the teller. We think our story holds us back, but the power is in the story. And what can I learn from this? Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. You'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie. 